0: This week I'm having a chat with Hannah Goldberg from the popular TikTok profile of Hannah Sailing. Hannah was brought up between Holland and the United States and began sailing at a young age at summer camps. After spending time in Los Angeles with family, working multiple jobs and seeing little left after the bills had gone out to save up for a cruising boat, she decided to sack off the routine and begin travelling full time by sailboat, picking up deliveries here and there as well as some extended trips and ocean passages with fellow cruisers. In the process, Hannah has clocked up some pretty impressive miles in a really short space of time and has taken on some tough passages as well as setting up a social media platform that is inspiring younger generations of nomads to take up sailing as a means of travel in the world. Hannah is now about to embark on her latest passage to date on a true 50-foot blue water cruising boat leaving from Mexico heading to French Polynesia. If you want to follow Hannah on social media, check out her TikTok and Instagram at Hannah Sailing. If you want to support the podcast and view the full video versions of each episode, visit the Ocean Cruises Patreon site and follow us on Instagram and Facebook to keep up to date with the guests, as well as tuning in to watch some of our own experiences as we start to get our boat ready to start our circumnavigation. My wife Hibba will be documenting some of our travels and I'll be sharing footage of the refit of our boat, which is a Genoa 54DS.
1: I'm currently in Los Angeles, California. It's where I grew up. I oh. was visiting my family for the holidays and I had just bef- before getting back here I was uh, basically not not in LA or in California for two years, about two years. I've just been crewing on oh. boats and I just did the Atlantic Crossing in um, May, June and July of 2022 and then I was in Europe for a while, traveled around there for a bit and then And then I went um, to the Annapolis boat show and met up with a bunch of the other cruisers. And uh, that was in Maryland. And then I went to do another job, which was in French Guiana. And we sailed to Grenada. That was like a six day sail. And then directly from there, I had, I went to Croatia, which is where I did a um, conference. I spoke at a conference and then from Croatia, that was, that was in uh, November. And then, I stayed with my family in the Netherlands and then flew back for like two weeks and then flew back to LA right before Christmas. So I've been here since like okay. about Christmas time. And now I'm going to Mexico next for an ex- another crew position um, and to just get away from the city, kind of.
0: You, you go everywhere. Uh, <laughs> no, <I love> <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Where are you actually from? You've got family in the Netherlands.
1: Um, yeah, so my mom grew up in the Netherlands, and she moved to the states when she was about in her twenties, like early twenties. Uh, that and she knew my father; uh, he's American. Then they kind of reconnected here in Los Angeles. They both are in the film industry. They really—that's uh, what they were pursuing, like their whole life. And so they, yeah, then they got together. And my, my mom has still lived here for, I guess, like thirty. 30 years or something like that. And um right. and uh I'm a dual citizen as well. So and I speak Dutch. Um, but I grew up in LA.
0: That, you know, I cannot imagine any place in the world that must be such a contrast to like the serene um, you know, isolation of like cruising on the ocean and crossing, you know, like crossing the Atlantic, for example, and then living in Los Angeles. Like that is a yeah. pretty stark contrast
1: yeah it's like I've never really felt like I belonged in Los Angeles I never really felt like it was my place um so whenever I'm back here I always immediately like want to leave again um I actually was just I was I just visited a friend in Hawaii for New Year's because um she invited me to stay at her place The, the flight was really cheap um I don't know being in the city for some reason it just like I need to be near the sea anxiety yeah it gives me anxiety it gives me like I just feel this feeling um, that I just need to leave right away. And I thought that it would be nice to actually, I actually planned on staying here. Like when I came home from the holidays, I was planning on staying here for like um, three months. I was like, okay, it's been two years since I just stood still in one place. And I, I'm down to just hang out, work, make some money, chill for a few months, but immediately I want to like leave again and,
0: um, yeah. <laughs> right, okay. yeah. yeah. No, I know My, what you mean. Yeah. and the thing is you've obviously spent like the last two years traveling around going to like beautiful places different cultures new people interesting stuff and then to go to a city which is like so notorious for just being fake quite frankly like I've, I lived in Dubai for like eight years and it's quite similar I imagine quite mm. not the film industry aspect of it but like the type the type of people to a certain extent so yeah Yeah. so what what do you do for a job you said you were thinking about uh going back there and working for a few months
1: yeah so I'm uh I do social I do a lot of different kind of stuff I do social media management and like video editing for freelance like for different clients and I do copywriting um but while I'm here I've been actually working on a few video shoots and like film sets like I was a pa and an extra i just kind of find any random jobs i can um and i'm staying at my family's house for like a couple of weeks they have a guest room so i've been just staying here for like i guess now it's been like a month um and being able to not pay rent and then go and like do some work as well because i just you know growing up here i've a known good life people. So, yeah, I've known people. It's and people are, are you back? Are you free to do this? Are you free to do this job? And it's just like a good way to make a little bit of money. But I'm able to also yeah. work as I go, like on the road. And I make a little bit also just like from social media and that kind of stuff as well.
0: Yeah. Here and yeah. there. I'll tell you what, it's worth just talking about the social media side of it because I suppose that's how a lot of people who sail and spend time on Instagram or TikTok probably more in your case um how did that start because you've got a lot of people watching you on tiktok
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know it was kind of random um but like i said i'm a social media manager i was doing that in la before i left i i lived in los angeles in um an apartment with my boyfriend and a dog and like totally kind of settled life which i never really wanted at all i i uh, he had known about my like dreams of buying a boat and sailing around the world, but you know it was like the timing was never right. I was working as a social media manager here in LA at an office, like nine to five type of job. And then once I quit that job and I decided to like move out of my apartment and sell my car, sell my, you know, all everything that I had that was kind of like weighing me down um, and to start really pursuing my dreams and goals, I just stitched together a video with footage I had on my phone and I had been quite familiar with TikTok because of uh, my job and it is a lot different than Instagram and YouTube in the sense that it's short form content and it's very genuine there's communities are incredible there it's not like fake. like I just don't feel like it's so curated and like so superficial it just feels extremely genuine and I saw people real people changing their life and like they were inspiring me because it was just real people just telling their stories and so I just decided that I'm going to uh make a video about what I did because you know maybe some people will relate to it or like not let that fear like control it so I I made a video um totally random posted it and it got like 30 million views just popped off. Everyone was like going fucking crazy, which I didn't even understand. I'm like, this is just like, what is, I don't even know why this video. What was the
0: video of? (laughs) How did it get 30 million views? What were you doing?
1: It was, (laughs) it was me. I said, um, it started with my, a shot of me at my lowest point of my life. And I was like, Mm. um, basically, I was like, oh, this is, this is me two months ago before I, at the lowest point of my life like right after I went through a terrible breakup right before I decided to change my life. And then the next part of the video is Mm -hmm. me moving out, uh, working out, like selling my stuff and then hopping on a boat and saying, okay, this is the start of the journey. It was right when I got on that boat and I was like, this is the start. So if you want to come along with me, it's just, yeah, it's just my transformation. Like watch me change my life kind of video. Um, So people, Mm. if, it's like yeah people kind of connected
0: with it i guess and yeah that's amazing that's so cool but you know tiktok it's like my my wife uses it i downloaded it once and then it put it was, mm-hmm. there was i was getting so many notifications on my phone i was like okay i'm deleting this straight away and mm-hmm. my wife uses it and some of the stuff she shows me is awesome do you know like niche community stuff or like educational yeah. stuff there's a couple of yeah. like science things that she shows me which are really cool Um, and then sometimes she'll be scrolling through. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, (laughs) this this isn't for the world to see, you know, (laughs) sometimes, (laughs) um, but yeah, so, so I, so it's like a pretty large sailing community on that platform.
1: When I started two years ago, there was like not one person. And the thing is when I was, um, starting my sailing journey, I had seen, like, I had done my research about how people are doing this, you know, and. Um, it takes a lot of people are always asking me, how do you do this? How do you do this? But like, I went out and I went and tried to figure it out myself. And I just looked on YouTube and I was seeing like so many cruisers making YouTube channels and making like a living funding themselves off of their YouTube. And then I was Mm. seeing that there was like hundreds and hundreds of YouTube channels. (laughs) I'm like thinking, how can you even make an impact? I don't even have a boat, you know, I'm just like me just trying to. Get, yeah. So I mean, I'm like, how am I going to make my impact in this space uh, of YouTube? It's completely oversaturated with sailors. So I went on TikTok and I looked up sailing channels and I literally couldn't find one. There was not one. Um, so I said, oh, this is my space. Like no one on TikTok knows about sailing. And there it was like a totally new thing because it's a very much it's a much younger community than the people who are watching uh, YouTube so it's Probably. like
0: most communities well, it is. I of mean, people are people that watching up, YouTube yeah. sailing.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a different demographic. So all the people who are who watch those YouTube sailors, like all of the people who follow me on TikTok, they don't know Delos and La Vagabond and yeah, you know Parley or all the big ones, they don't know at all, like because it's just a totally different demographic and different people. But I knew them and I knew like and I was familiar with the YouTube stuff and so I feel like I'm kind of in that like middle ground where I'm not um you know I'm not like so it's just a lot of teens and then and then now two years later or I guess it's been like a year and a half there's a lot more sailors on TikTok lots of and now now Delos is on there in the vagabond and and um I met and then there's like some other just random people but I've met my best friend um Max who's the channel of Untied through tiktok so we were the only two people really like doing it on tiktok yeah back then
0: yeah that's awesome you know it's just going to be so hard to keep up because there is a new one that comes out like every couple of years and then everyone like goes crazy over the new one (laughs) but uh, i i think we're maxed out now (laughs) like instagram is photos and videos a little bit kind of tiktok is the short stuff but everybody i speak to is into like tech or social media they're all like shorts reels TikTok ish type of stuff is like the absolute future.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Instagram is pushing it more now. Um, that's yeah. where and YouTube actually, the main th- YouTube is. just
0: monetized shorts.
1: Yeah, they're doing shorts. They're really trying to get people to do the shorts there. I mean, that's what people are, how they're consuming content right now. Um, I'm guilty of it. It's how I like to consume it. And that's why I'm like, the thing is, people have this, it, when it comes to change and in this industry and in this, um, it, it's the most rapid quickly moving industry like in the world it's constantly changing you have to keep up with it and the thing is we can be resistant to change and we can be resistant to how things are changing by not wanting to accept it and saying tiktok oh i don't want to be part of tiktok cuz we have all these ideas you know old like but the thing is that you can be resistant to it or you can be welcoming open and accepting and like go move with the times you know like um it's just it's just the ways that that things are progressing. And I told people um in like clients who I work with is to it's like take away your ideas of what you think TikTok is because. People think TikTok's some dancing app, or you know, like people have this idea of what it is, but it's <laughs> but it's not. Well, that's why like you see most that of you it. think. Yeah, well, that's what when you the thing is that people like a lot of people don't understand it, and that those those unknown things make them resistant to joining or to change or whatever. But um, you have to kind of you have to understand it to perform well. To be honest, because it's like it's just so much, there's, like you said, there's communities. It's so much different than just dancing. Like I've never done a TikTok dance. I never planned to do a TikTok dance because, yeah, because it's just (laughs) not my brand. It wouldn't resonate with my followers. Like it wouldn't make any sense for me to do one because I'm not a dancer. Mm. I'm a sailor. And that's what my videos are about.
0: So, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time I started hearing what TikTok was like way back. This is a couple of years back. I started i think we'll walk no i was actually walking around the marina and there was like a bunch of teenagers just like dancing looking at a wall and i said to my wife i was like what the hell are these people doing and she was like oh they're Mm -hmm. probably doing a tiktok and it wasn't great dancing like i'm not looking they're not like in the moscow ballet or something do you know what i mean it's like pretty strange stuff i was like (laughs) okay fine but yeah i mean for getting a message out and for like you know showcasing a talent or you know a skill being part of a community yeah like it's amazing and like you know so millions of people are watching those videos that you're doing and that is going to be inspiring and motivating millions of people so shit that's a net positive
1: yeah definitely i like want to be able to make it seem like more attainable or just kind of showing like an alternate lifestyle alternative lifestyle to what you think that you traditionally need to do um and for me i was never i was always resistant to that like traditional lifestyle and i thought well um you know, I'm not seeing when I was seeing other people on TikTok traveling full time or living like in a way that was different. I thought, oh, why can't I do that? And then the fact that I was able to do it and was like, it just makes it, I think even more, it, it just gives more encouragement to people who maybe are just like too scared to take that kind of next step of really pursuing like what you truly want and you can try it. And then maybe it doesn't work out. You can always go back. Like you can always get a job. And that's where I, what I was thinking when I like first started um, doing this, like lifestyle is like, I can always go back to my life in LA and I can get a job and I can get an apartment or I can go back and live somewhere else. I can get a job. Like there's no, I know that I won't, um, I, and I, I, will do any job. Like I worked in the service industry for so long and I've worked, um, on like the mountain and I've worked in like so many different fields where I just know that like, oh, if the sailing thing doesn't work out what I, I loved it, I had so much fun and then I can go back, but you n- I'll never be, you know, I'll never be in this position again where I'll be able to like really pursue my dreams. And so I just like full force go into that suspending the fear and that's what I think a lot of people a lot of my followers a lot of people struggle with when it comes to yeah you know starting something like that
0: you know I think like people have because you know, you're I, I presume you're in like your early 20s mid 20s something like that yeah
1: yeah m- yeah mid 20s
0: yeah I, I think like what is quite inspiring about a lot of the younger people now is they are they're able to see how nice it is to like not live a traditional life. Whereas I think people from like my generation and definitely like between me and my parents' generation, the focus was very much on go to school, go to university, get a professional job or, you know, get a job working with your hands, get something stable, government pension. (laughs) Where I mean, those things are probably going to be toast in like 20 years anyway. Um, But yeah, I do (laughs) do see a lot more people in their like 20s. Yeah, I'd say 20s, not really early 30s. but just be more open-minded to like you know go traveling like when i was younger it was a very strange thing there's some people did yeah. it in uni but they just wanted to go to thailand to get cheap drugs they didn't really want to yeah. explore and you know see new cultures yeah. whereas like now and maybe it's thanks to apps like instagram and tiktok and stuff like that that are just showcasing more yeah. you don't have to google what is it like to travel it will just pop up in your face and you can no, see totally it. So, yeah and it's yeah. like
1: i also it's like a difference between um traveling and like taking a vacation where people are always like, how do you afford that? How do you do that? You know? And it's like, I don't pay rent. I don't pay, you know, like, um, all these crazy bills that I did when I lived in Los Angeles. Like, and when I went on a trip, I would be spending money. But like when you're traveling, it's just different. You're, oh, you're living, you know, this, you have a certain amount for housing and then you're living similar. Like I buy foods where I cook my, for myself at hostels and we cook on the boats like um and, a lot most a lot of the times for certain boat jobs, either I'm paid or I'm everything is paid for for depending on what, yeah. you know, the, the, the position is. So it's like traveling is just so much different than vacations or, you know, that this and so that's I think a lot of also what yeah. people are spreading online is that you don't need to be rich to travel like you don't and it's different than just going some like to some resort and enjoying your vacation for a couple weeks for that type of trip i could literally live for months like um on the road and that's just a different when you're experiencing cultures and um experiencing places that are kind of off the beaten path not really those big tourist destinations and then slow travel just like taking your time and especially that's big with sailing mm. and
0: yeah it's all about that yeah. When, when did you get the book for this? Like, oh, so you, you grew up in LA, um, what do you know, your desire to travel and sail places and, you know, meet new people, see new cultures. Did that, is that something that you just think was always in the back of your mind? Or do you think it was growing up mm-hmm. in such a busy city that, you know, pushed you away from it? How, how do you think you moved into that?
1: Um, well, when I was younger, I was like, we would go to Holland to the Netherlands every year. Um, and I was obsessed with the sailboats, like these big tall ships. One day, one year I was, we went to like this carnival where I saw all the big tall ships. We got to go in them. And I was like, what? And then I met other, I was like eight years old. I met other sailors, like sailors and people who, um, ha- were living on their boats. And they're like, this is my boat. I'm like, this is your boat. Like you can own a boat and like live on it. And then I remember that was just like such a vivid memory in my mind. <laughs> and then my grandparents had um, a little sailboat, tiny little sailboat. It didn't have like, um, you know, it didn't have a cabin or anything, but it was, and we would just take it in the lake. And it was, those were my favorite memories of all time. Like being on the boat. I wanted to go on the boat every single day. I wanted to be on the water. Um, and I got, they put me in sailing camp one year. That was my first time uh really sailing oh, wow. i was like eight years old seven eight, eight years that old That
0: existed when i was a kid <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was in holland that's in the yeah. netherlands yeah uh, yeah so it was like a small it's a small community my grandparents live in a like a farmer's village it's like this really small little village but there's like a big lake and there's um a little i guess you call it a marina i don't know i mean they have a lot of boats that people rent like this is the it's like the culture in the netherlands is boats like yeah. the entire country is connected by canals and people used to travel around the entire country just through the canals and you still can like this is the way that it's yeah. just the it's just the lifestyle so that's where i was introduced to it and um where i fell in love with like life on the water but then um i never really did it in la but when i was in uni for uh i was in northern california i was kind of near uh the sea as well i'm just always have been wanting near the sea, near water. And, um, I was uh, like just dreaming every day. I I went to college, I went to uni because my parents and my grandparents, my grandmother mostly was very insistent. I go, even though I actually told her I wanted to travel and, um, go just take some time, um, to see what I really want to do. I always knew that I wanted to do sailing and I was watching a lot of like some of those, um, YouTube channels on like just on my couch 17 years old like in my dorm literally dreaming of sailing around the world like it was it had is always been my dream and so but it just kind of like I just never felt like I had enough money I couldn't buy a boat I can't do it alone no one i I had had two major relationships like they all both in the be- beginning they were like that's so cool I want to do that too but then it kind of went into like that's not possible we can't do that like who would do that that you know and uh, thinking I'm crazy I'm like I can do it by myself and I don't need a boat. And yeah, that's when I kind of um decided to just like go for it.
0: But <laughs> if you're in a relationship with someone who thinks your dreams are crazy, <laughs> then that is probably not the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. I think they thought that it was yeah, just yeah, like some kind up. of
1: like, oh, how fun would it be to like sail around the world? Like they didn't know I was actually serious about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit, she means
0: it. Okay. Oh wait,
1: she's real, oh, yeah, she really enough. wants to do that. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what brought you to that moment where you decided to, cause obviously like you're in a relationship, you had an apartment, you were working, you were earning cash, you're in a decent city. You know, what brought you to that actual moment where you just made that first move to be like, right, I'm done. I'm going like, yeah. this is what's happening.
1: Um, well I moved from, after I graduated uni, I moved back to LA. I've worked like multiple different jobs. I was just trying to find what I want to do. I was like broke, Um, I still wanted to get a boat. That was still in my head, but uh, I had no way of doing that. I moved back in with my parents. I found a job, started working. um, It was far away from my house, ended up getting uh, an apartment closer to my job, like near the beach, Um, got a great deal. So I was just kind of like in it. I had a roommate. I was just working really hard. And then um, I ended up leaving that job and I went to work as a server because I wanted to make tips. I wanted to make more money because I was like, you know what? I don't want to be in this. I was in the construction interior design industry. And I was like, I don't want to do this. My my boss seemed miserable. I'm like, this is not the corporate world I want to be in. So they're just kind of figuring out what I wanted. Um, But I knew I wanted a boat. And so I went to the job because I, and I remember my first day there too. Like, Oh, why'd you get this job? I'm like, I'm saving for a boat. That was literally like always my goal. So I, Nice. went and at that waitress job but then and then that's where I met my ex-boyfriend um and I basically just like fell super madly in love like it just it it was just you know it it just I thought like this is it you know and so we kind of just got more settled I wasn't gonna leave um and then we ended up and then the pandemic hit we ended up moving in together it was just like so much craziness so but then our relationship just like Started getting really hard, Um, and it was like there was like lying and just like a lot of things that I couldn't put up with anymore. And I thought, oh, I can make it work. I always wanted to make it work. I didn't want to give up on someone I love, and I was always like, oh, you know, he has trauma and these kinds of things, and we can like get through it together. But basically, it just got to the point of like you can't move that we couldn't move past, and I just hit like this rock bottom of you know, it seems like your life is so great, but I was barely able to make it by with like a really great job in Beverly Hills, an an affordable apartment in LA. I could, I was literally working to live and I was, and I hated it. And it was like, I every single bit of money that I would make, none of it was being saved for my boat, like none of it. And I was like, I had to pay and then all of a sudden we had a, you know, he had a dog. So I was paying like medical bills for his dog if, if random shit happened. And then
0: (laughs) I mean, (laughs)
1: Like there was just, I I don't want to, but it's, I just, my life became like, you know, every bill car. Then I bought like a nice car, nicer car, car insurance, and then car payments, and then Wi-Fi and electricity and garbage. Like literally I had a list Mm. of like 15 different bills I was paying every month and my paycheck. And then after groceries and rent, my paycheck, the amount that I was able to save per month was so little. It was insane. Um, And I thought, what the fuck am I doing? This is, this is going to be the rest of my life. Um, had a huge blow up breakup with my boyfriend and then that's when i and it was like a rock bottom terrible point and that's when i was like fuck all of this left it all just like yeah, yeah. i think the rock bottom hitting rock bottom life you know yeah yeah it is yeah. It's and like, it's not for me I've, I've i have so knew. many
0: friends who like have always uh lived and worked in london and i just never understood it i'm like you can't stay there because you can't afford a house there it costs like a million dollars Pound, you know for a house that's average (laughs) you spend so much on getting like the tube and taxes and stuff like that beer is like you know ten dollars yeah i I just don't get it i've never been for it at all yeah um yeah on the relationship thing like you know i think until you get to the point where you're like you're married to somebody and like they're ready to marry you you have to be selfish Because you really need to figure out what that person's about. And you can only find out if someone's suitable for you by literally just being yourself, just focusing on yourself and see if it works. Like, can they be themselves and you be yourself and you can just do your own thing. You don't, no one's dependent on the other person and it just works, but you have to be selfish to get to that point and figure it out.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think like my whole life I was um taking care of other people. And I felt like it would be so selfish to pursue my own dreams, like and leave other. But then I realized it's actually not selfish because once you're doing what's best for yourself, then you're able to like give better to other people, you know, and the people that you love and stuff. And I think I was just like in relationships and then also taking care, like trying thinking so much about my family and my little brother, who's 13 years younger than me, and I like helped raise him. And I don't even remember wanting to leave him. And I always was always thinking about other people. And then I was like, no, I just, I just want to do what I want to do and see if it makes me happy because I just never felt like I was. And yeah, I think that you're right. When, when it comes to finding a partner right now, at this point in my life, I've like found my boundaries and found what I want and how to like love myself. And then it's just important to like know yourself better if you want to find that person that you'll be with forever. But the thing is, it's like, it's just, it never, it's not really a rush. It's just as life goes, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a lesson learned that generally comes with age and a couple of divorces, you know, <laughs> like it's easy to sit here and say, Oh, this is what like relationships are like. It's like, I've been divorced. I've been remarried, you know, <laughs> everyone, everyone figures it out the hard way. Yeah. Right. So t- do you, um? so can you actually like earn money from uh, the social media stuff that you do and that and that funds you travel or is it more like you get paid for the gigs that you do on the water and that is what keeps you going
1: um it's both it's i mean the, the water like the the stuff that i get paid for like jobs from um sailing stuff no like that's not enough to keep me going at all like i didn't get paid for like a, a few of the jobs and um which is like fine because I'm not paying rent. I'm not like paying expenses and stuff. Like, so, sure. but I, yeah, I make money from the social media stuff. And then my freelance work while I'm sailing, um, I was sailing for like nine months on this boat, Elixir, with the channel Untied. And we became like best friends, just like a group of young sailors from the UK. Like he, re- he Max rebuilt this boat. Um, you should talk to him. It's great. But he rebuilt this boat in the UK. So now he's sailing around the world. We were together on the boat um, for like, yeah, nine months. And he also does social media and freelance work. So, you know, you go for a passage for five, six days tops during that time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm away for land for that long. But the thing is, when you're close to land, it's not really so hard to find a place where you can have Wi Fi to do some of the work. And some of the work that we do, you don't need Wi Fi, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. So it's, it's really just, um, it's a lot, it's a mixture of freelance, copywriting, video editing, social media, you know, there's different ways to make money through TikTok. And so yeah, I've made some money and a lot of uh, everything that I've been doing has completely sustained and funded my travels. And um, I'm not like making ton of money. I'm not like, yeah, it's not, I'm not making a ton of money, but I'm also not digging into my savings. Like it's kind of just staying level but it's
0: for funding the, past the life two years. you want so
1: yeah that's all you need <laughs> yeah
0: totally there's no point I mean, having a massive savings account if you're miserable
1: <laughs> yeah exactly I was like and so hopefully this next year I'm uh I'm trying to monetize better my social media and take it more seriously because at first it was just fun like oh I'm just sharing for fun and, and it, it still is once it's not fun I'm not going to do it you know I just did it because um it's like a little bit like passion project and uh I just like it but now at this point I've heard and I've learned that there is definitely some good ways that I can monetize it but it also comes with me like moral controversies of promoting I don't want to promote brands or promote things that are unethical or not sustainable and that that's like a big thing on my mind always which is I definitely could have made a lot more money at this point if I promoted if I took you know, any of the things that have reached out to me, but I've denied like 90% of what comes my way to promote because it doesn't align with my morals. So that's kind of been a struggle point for me when it comes to making money online, because um, my number one concern with like, with the work I do is obviously like protecting the ocean and the environment. So, you know, telling people to go buy this product or, you know, do this and do things that I would not even do that are harmful to, in some ways, it's just not, not what I want to do. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think if you're going to go to, the thing is like when you do social media and um, similar to what I do with the podcast as well, because I've just started working with a couple of sponsors that I will do this year. Like I made a decision, like if it's a company that I think is good, they're making something great. And the people who listen would be interested to buy it. And it's related to the topic, which is sailing. Then that's what I'm cool with. I'm not really like a, uh, an environmental activist or anything. So I don't really have that Um, moral responsibility, to be honest. Although I'm generally quite a good steward of the environment. Um, I imagine it's a lot harder being in your position because like most companies aren't that sustainable. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I think if it's something that works for you personally and you can buy into and then you know the people who, you know, listen are going to be interested, not like, you know, oh, I'm Hannah and I'm promoting. And it's like, why are you promoting that? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's so strange. Um, No, it's
1: obviously like I... I mean, I buy, I buy things like it's not like I'm not, you know, against buying anything. Um, but I yeah, if I'm going to promote something, I'm going to make sure that it's something that I would buy. And I would say you should definitely buy this, too. Um, and there's a lot yeah. there's a there's a lot of options there. Um, it's just it, so, yeah, that's it, it's just finding the right ones and like aligning with because like it gets yeah, an important kind of partnership
0: yeah yeah you know i imagine especially with tiktok because there's definitely a younger crowd on there who are you know they do have a genuine interest for protecting the planet more than you know people in the 50s and the 60s do um there's got to be a lot of products now that you could like really really integrate into like the lifestyle that you're promoting on on tiktok you know like there's so many environmentally friendly uh, cleaning products soaps makeup uh there was a really cool one that i saw the other day on instagram it's just a company that is selling water in aluminium bottles rather than plastic bottles and they're not that expensive um which is obviously you know better for the environment and you know you're not using single use plastics and all that type of stuff so i imagine there'd be like a lot of options there so All right, you've got a tattoo of an anchor on your arm, which I noticed, Mm -hmm. and I said, boy, look at my tattoo of an anchor on my arm as well. So why don't you talk about some of these mega miles that you've been clocking up since you started your traveling? Because you've been to quite a few places already.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Um, So I started, um, I've sailed from, in California, from like Santa Barbara down to Los Angeles. And then I've sailed from, Puerto Rico to for Puerto Rico to St. Thomas, um, St. And then like St. John and St. Martin. Um then I've sailed from Grenada to Curaçao. Um, and that was with Untied, Curacao to Colombia, down the coast of Colombia to Cartagena. We were in Santa Marta for like a nice. few months. It was amazing. Um, and then yeah. From Cartagena, we sailed to like the Rosarios, like Isla Grande, Isla Rosario. And then from there, we sailed to Bocas del Toro in Panama. Stayed there for a couple months, did some surfing, lots of good time. And then to the San Blas Islands, Gunayala region um, Mm -hmm. in Panama, right before going through the Panama Canal. Uh, Went through the Panama Canal, transited that. That was insanely cool. Uh, something I always wanted to do. Yeah, so yeah. that was, yeah, it was thing. really wonderful. We were like this tiny boat, you know, one, cause usually you're rafted up, but we were actually in the last lock by ourselves a 37 foot boat where, with, with this like giant tanker behind us. So that was crazy. Um, <laughs> it was pretty intimidating. Then, yeah. I've never
0: done it, but it looks yeah. pretty intimidating.
1: No, it's insane. It's, it is. I mean, it's easier than you would expect, but it is intimidating for sure because there's a lot of pressure and we've heard, you've heard horror mm-hmm. stories, but um, so, yeah, then after um, transiting the canal, I was that was like the whole, you know, my trip with Untied is that we agreed to go sail to Colombia and then Panama Canal. And so after that, I um, I actually got an offer to do the, trans, the transatlantic t- crossing and delivery of a boat from Antigua to the UK. So I sailed from Antigua to the Azores. The azores to um, a coruña spain and then from spain to the uk cornwall
0: nice. um
1: and then yeah it was really really beautiful i loved it then i uh traveled around europe for a little bit i actually went to my grandmother's 80th birthday party in the netherlands so i took a took a train um from the uk to the netherlands which was cool and then um (laughs) which you could do as well most americans probably don't imagine
0: you could do (laughs) that on a
1: train (laughs) yeah no i did it when i was younger which i thought was so cool but um and then so yeah i like the the tunnel and all that that so I, i did that it was like pretty reasonably priced stayed in the netherlands for a little bit and then i did a road trip actually down um to portugal to like spain and portugal um with a friend and then um after that is when i uh went to the Annapolis boat show. And then I went um, and I helped a friend help like his, he lives on his family's boat. And then they left the boat to go do some like business kind of stuff, but he needed to move it um, from French Guyana to Grenada. So I got, I went, I took a flight to Suriname, had to get to French Guyana and then it we sailed six days to Grenada, which was, it's so funny because like the waves, over there the swell and there was like so many squalls and so much swell it was like the entire atlantic crossing in like six days it was insane um mm. it, i know i didn't like when i was in the north atlantic and the swell in like the bay of biscay in the north atlantic it was like pretty big um especially from the azores to spain but then being in south like sailing in south america from french guiana to grenada the swell was like super similar um and the squalls were much more intense it was it was a really really. Yeah. Uh, interesting intense kind of passage that was actually the last passage i done i've done which was um, two like two months ago and then cool. i did the conference in croatia and then flew right back to la but now i'm uh, now i have a really big crossing coming up next month like which is going to be What's that? Um, doing the pacific crossing so, oh, yeah.
0: good on you. Yeah. Nice. Where are you yeah. going from and to? Uh,
1: from Mexico to French Polynesia, which is I'm, oh, yeah, I'm really excited about. Jealous, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, they're very jealous. That's like, I'd love to cruise <laughs> that side of Mexico. I know. The and thing I is, would just yeah. love to go straight to French Polynesia. Oh, my god,
1: <laughs> I know. I was the thing is, I after the Atlantic crossing, I thought to myself, um, I had some you know, a terrible skipper, which happens a lot, but um he got kicked out of he got kicked out of the azores because he lied about having a visa he was south african lied about having a visa he used all the diesel he didn't really know much about sailing it's insane and i made a video about it so um you know if anyone wants to like listen to that then that's the full story there but basically um i after that crossing well, come on give I, us the
0: craziest thing that happened on this passage i love hearing oh, he stories just, about Dickhead skippers.
1: So, (laughs) I mean, he was just—he was just a drunk. He was an alcoholic. He got blackout drunk in the middle of the Atlantic. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't know actually anything about sailing. He didn't know the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like insane. Um, and I had said like my one of my main things is I don't, especially on something like that, is I don't want to be part of, um if i you know he was a, like i didn't really know him i knew like the owner of the boat he was also with us during the crossing and he was he's amazing and i knew him and he accidentally hired this guy like not knowing based off his cv not knowing that he was going to be who he was so yeah he you know he got like he he uh burned we had so much diesel insane amount of diesel like we had both like the entire tank was full and then there was jerry cans strapped down all over the boat he managed to use up all of it even when i was like expressing my concerns of like not sailing when there was wind and just using the engine um it was like really concerning we ended up running out of fuel in uh during the crossing before we reached the azores had to when when the first time that we actually did lose wind, like we were become the only time that we would have needed to fucking turn the engine on. Like he had this idea that you turn that the engine would go faster than sailing, even though with the engine we're going four knots, but we're going directly to your waypoint. Sure. Or you could go eight knots sailing and then tack like one time and then, you know, you're you're not directly going in the right like towards that waypoint but it doesn't mean that you're gonna it's gonna take any less time um I like did calculate like I just I it was just really um and he was like just also really uncomfortable to be around um I had to set boundaries that I never thought I would have to set you know ever because I also brought a crew member who I had met online a follower um who I got to know and she came with me and the thing is I I felt responsible for her as well like I didn't know this guy was going to be, you know, a total fucking creep. Um, but anyway, we've when we got to the Azores, they were like told him that you're not allowed to be here in this country. Um, you don't have a visa. He ended up it ended up he lied about having a visa. So they told us that um, we might have to they were really upset. The officials, they were like, you cannot leave the boat to him. They're like, you cannot leave the marina. You cannot leave the boat. Um he was just pissed drunk every second. It was oh, it was so annoying to be like just live, reliving being around him is just like pisses That's me crazy. off because he for, was he for was a like
0: delivery skipper as well. That's so yeah, bad. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was really bad. And then um, the officials were basically came and told us like that we're because he had he had a visa for the UK and they were like you're gonna have to go directly to the UK and we're like we can't do that. Like the boat's not ready. Um, basically, then I told them I was like we don't feel safe. Like we don't want to. We can't. Sail with him, like please, just let him fly out. He has a flight, like let him leave from here. He's going to go directly to South Africa from the Azores. So they let him uh leave on a flight, and then we didn't have to. Then we got to sail to Spain and not go directly to the U- to the UK, which would have been like so a charter for us at that with how the wind was and how the weather was yeah, at that, that point. Been tough. Yeah, and it would have yeah. like, and then it would have been another couple weeks with this guy who's unhinged, crazy. Like we could not do it. It was. um it was a lot so yeah that's the that's the story
0: with that wow <laughs> some drunk unhinged creep yeah that sounds yeah. pretty bad yeah the eu are quite strict when it comes to uh when it comes to visas like for the schengen zone and stuff you can't just turn up and be like oh yeah it's cool i've got a visa like they can yeah. check and they will check and then you'll exactly get i mean
1: <laughs> it's crazy that he even that he said oh yeah i'm good i have it like why would you lie about that? Like, they're not going to find out? I just don't even get it.
0: Well, if you're always drunk, like, life is great in your mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not in reality, but yeah, yeah. I suppose he- I have never analyses, in my life, know. yeah.
1: I've never in my life seen anyone more drunk, like, ever. It, it was belligerent to the next level of just so uncomfortable to be around.
0: Yeah 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 no when when you get people who are just like shit-faced all the time and they're in your face and they're getting too close mm. and you know they've got bad breath and stuff. So I'm just like now nah, I deal with it. I don't mind if I've got a friend like that and it's once a month and I deal with it but yeah. like when you get people who are like that all the time like it's a serious yeah. problem okay so, so this crossing that you're doing over to uh French Polynesia what boat is this on
1: um I haven't announced it yet so I'm not gonna say just yet but
0: one hole or two holes
1: mono hole (laughs)
0: one hole big or small
1: (laughs) like 50 something feet
0: oh comfy okay
1: yeah yeah should be good um they've done it before so they know what they're doing cool and so yeah basically after that crossing i was like oh i can't do this um i didn't want to do it again Um, for a while until I had my own boat and my own captain. I was like, or if if it was with a crew that I really, really trusted, but long crossings are a little harder for me because I'm like, I really like to run around and be on land sometimes, you know, but I'm, I'll always do it. It's just, I prefer like six days and then you're on land and then, but that's just kind of how it, it, how it just felt during that. The crossing the Atlantic crossing. It's nice to be at sea, but it's not something I want to, I'm not like Alan MacArthur where I'm like crying after 200 I don't want to go back to land. Like I'm like, no, I'll go back to land. Um so I I thought um it, there's it's gotta be like the greatest offer. And as soon as they emailed me and they were like we would like you to be crew if you're available for the Pacific crossing, I was like, oh hell yeah, because we're friends already. I love them. I trust them. And so it's like I know that it's going to be an incredible experience, especially with like the safety that they have and everything. So it's just going to be great.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. You know, and and the thing is as well, with it being a 50 something foot boat, uh, like an early fifty-foot boat, you're going to be very comfortable on that. Like you can spend a lot more time on a boat of that size. Um, you know, 30 something, yeah. Five, six days is quite comfortable. It's it's a nice window because it's like you can you can occupy yourself for five days with different activities, like, especially if you catch some fish and you know you have some board games. It's all right, but yeah, when you're crossing the Atlantic, it's okay doing the northern route, but the southern route where it's just trade winds, like it is boring. It is yeah. so boring. You don't even you don't do sail changes for days. Yeah. like you yeah. look and you're like, oh, the wind's changing in four days. Maybe, maybe we'll tack. I'm like, oh my god, what? <laughs> like, I, I I haven't enjoyed it um no yeah no i much prefer like a nice upwind sail for a few days
1: yeah no same for sure because it's it's fun you're you're really sailing you're not just like set the sails and go because then yeah like you said it's boring you're just laying around getting fat because all you want to do is eat you're just like eating yeah Um, yeah. you can't work out (laughs) (laughs) yeah people Uh, are like how do you have enough food i'm like you have way too much actually (laughs) people are always asking yeah biscuits i'm like get the food away oh my god (laughs) the biscuits every every boat i've been on has yeah god every boat every crew i've been with has always said that i have a biscuit problem when we're sailing i'm like yeah then don't fucking bring biscuits because i don't know why i want to eat like half a pack a day it's just awful
0: <laughs> yeah especially if you're sailing with british people I, to be honest I, i'm like oh no i shouldn't have them i always just go and buy them for myself anyway that you know the the, the most weight i put on in the shortest amount of time is when i sailed to the canaries i think mm-hmm. we did the sail and then we were hanging out on anchor it was about two weeks and i put on I think I put on like eight pounds in two weeks, which is a record oh, for me. And that is including yeah. like big holidays like when I was younger. So, yeah. And that was yeah. just biscuits. It was literally just, yeah. and they were sugar free, but I was still consuming a lot of calories. <laughs> so, listen, um, let's, yeah. let, let's uh, tell people where they can find you. Um, what are your handles mm-hmm. for your social media uh, accounts? Yeah, uh,
1: everything is just Hana Sailing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Hana Sailing. Um, and then, if you are so i'm going to come up with some uh long form content some youtube videos very soon i'm working on um so i very yeah nervous. if you subscribe to my youtube that would be really sick because um i think that it'll just give a more in depth kind of review of who i am what i'm doing what um what my about my journey uh a little more personal whereas you know the short form content it's hard to get that whole message across which is something i struggle with it. so yeah youtube i'm um i would like to kind of connect more with people in that way so yeah honest sailing
0: yeah brilliant well you just did a super long form content right now podcasting is the longest form content you get yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. cool all right well listen mate it was great to talk to you and uh I, you know i just hope you carry on doing what you're doing and you're successful at it you're motivating people you're having a great time you, you know you live in your hashtag best life and uh, it just seems <laughs> like it's going really well so yeah good on you and best of luck
1: yeah Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Good luck with your refit and everything that you're going to be doing as well.